Morning Church. Sani Bonani. Tumelang. Salamat Aulio. You don't know the last one, that's Malagasy. <laughs> so we are already in February, the month of February. This is the first Sunday of February. The year is underway. Um, we've all got through, through January. And um, I'm wondering, some of us made uh, uh, New Year's resolutions, things that we wanted to do differently this year. And um, I wonder how those are going and whether, whether they're still continuing into the second month of the year. But I, wanna, I, wanna, I wonder how many of us have considered the question, uh, how would we like our relationship with Jesus to change this year? What are some of our spiritual ambitions as far as our, our faith is concerned and our, our, uh, our spiritual life? Maybe you uh, are sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus. And uh, my question to you this morning is, uh, as you head into 2024, what is it that you are living for? What is it that you are living for as you head into this new year? What would you describe your point of life being? My prayer this morning is if that's you, that you're not a follower of Christ, that you're not a Christian, maybe you're looking into who this person Jesus is, my prayer is that you would be open to him speaking to you this morning through the scriptures and through this message, and uh, that you would be open to the possibility of him inviting you into what many of us are experiencing this morning, and many, as you would have seen in worship, there's been testimony and there's been these uh, these songs that we sing of what Jesus has done for us. And my hope is that you would be open to knowing more about that and potentially embarking on your own adventure with the Lord uh, this morning. The, this adventure of following Jesus Christ. Some of us may know uh, the West, Westminster Catechism, okay? Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, basically it's a summary of the principles of the Christian faith in the form of questions and answers, okay? And it's used for teaching people about the faith. It's freely available on, on the, online. You don't have to pay for it. It's a very old document, but there's these beautiful questions that, that give us grounding and foundations of what the faith is all about. And the first of those questions is simply this. What is the chief end of man? Said another way, what is the purpose of life? What is man's ultimate purpose? And the answer to that question is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Some of you may know John Piper. John Piper's got a fantastic website called Desiring God. And uh, and the strap line of that, and kind of John Piper's whole theology around making those, uh, that, that website fantastic in terms of its resources, is this truth. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Let me say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And this morning, um, as Star mentioned, we start 
the first of four weeks, a, a series that we've entitled Replenish. And uh, what, if, what we're looking at is um, how we can glorify God by placing ourselves in a place of being satisfied in Him. So in other words, how is it that we can put ourselves in a place where we become satisfied in Him? Together, we, we're looking at how to embrace these healthy habits that sustain healthy hearts towards Christ. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means to abide in Christ. That's next week. What it means to abide. What it means to read and, and meditate on Scripture. And what it means to embrace communion or, or to talk with God through prayer. But this week, my aim is to stir us from the Scriptures towards embarking on this journey together over the next few weeks. That's my, that's my hope, that's my aim, um, to, to, to get us to want to be on this journey that we have mapped out for us over the next uh, three weeks. And so, we're going to be looking at Luke 10, the end of Luke 10 this morning together, um, verse 38 to 42, it's on the board or on the screens, the story of Mary and Martha that some of you may know. This is taken from the Gospels, which is a first-hand account of the life of Jesus while he lived on earth. And uh, this is towards uh, Luke, at the end of Luke chapter 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is God's word to us this morning, and I wonder, just as I, before I continue, let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word to us this morning, and God, I pray that you would invite us through this text into greater relationship and greater intimacy with you, just as you did to Martha in this text, Lord. Open our hearts. Holy Spirit, do a deep work in us and speak to us through your word this morning, we pray. Amen. So in this brief text, there's three characters. There's Mary, there's Martha, and there's Jesus in this interaction. Let me quickly touch on each of these characters and we, as we consider them. First of all, Martha, okay? She's the one that welcomed Jesus into her house. She knows and appreciates Jesus and is hospitable to him. She's, she's, she goes to the trouble to serve him, to make him welcome. She invites him into her house. But she's busy and she's distracted by all that she's doing. She's chosen 
to not necessarily listen in to Jesus because of all she's doing for him. And Jesus picks up that this has led her to be, being in a place of being anxious and troubled. And it even shows itself in her trying to get Jesus to appeal to her sister Mary to, hey, get involved. You know, help me with what I'm doing. Basically, she wanted to show her love for Jesus by doing as much as she could for him. Whilst she does have relationship with Jesus, her priorities are not necessarily in the right place. Jesus only has a few weeks to live as we have high insight now as we read the Gospels. And uh, this is in fact his last journey into or to Jerusalem. But Martha is busy doing instead of giving Jesus her time and being with him. I want to ask you this morning, look at you and say, does it potentially sound familiar in your walk with, with God? Lots of doing and not much being. Second character in the story is Mary. Mary's different. She shows her love for Jesus by sitting at his feet, being in his presence, being eager to listen to him. He most likely had some disciples with him on this trip. And so Mary joins them and sits at Jesus' feet and listens to him talk. She chooses to spend time with Jesus, unlike her sister. And the third person is Jesus in this story. Jesus observes these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and hears Mary's requests, but ends up commending Mary for what she has chosen. And basically says to her, the, the NIV translation says this, Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. This morning I want us to see that there's a beautiful invitation for you and I in these verses this morning. The invitation to spend time with Jesus, to be in his presence. Now, of course, hear what I'm not saying, okay? I'm not advocating for us stopping all we do. I can't work because I just got to spend time with Jesus. No, family, I can't cook because I have to spend time with Jesus. I can't clean the house because I got to spend time with Jesus. I totally understand that we need to do some things. And you know what? Jesus understands that too. The warning is that we may sometimes be doing too much, and the invitation is rather to come into his presence and to be with him. Too often, we are too busy doing for Jesus that we forget to actually be with him. But the question is, how? How do we, how do we become like Mary? How do we accept this invitation to sit at the feet of Jesus? How do we practice this in our own lives? The simple answer is by putting ourselves at the feet of Jesus, putting ourselves in his presence, availing ourselves to be in a place where we can listen to what he is saying to us. And you're lucky because that's exactly what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. 
We're on this journey. We're looking at what it means to abide in Christ, what it means to pray, what it means to read Scripture, God's uh, inspired Scripture to us, and not only to read, but to meditate on that Word. I hope you slowly, there's a growing excitement for this journey that we have uh, into the couple of weeks. I hope you're not hearing me say, um, come to the next few weeks and I'm going to give you more to do for Jesus, because that's not what I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying come to the next few weeks and I'm going to tell you that you must do this and do this and do this. And uh, these are some things that you have to do if you're a follower of Christ. No, it's not that. Instead, what we're reading here is this beautiful invitation through this text this morning to glorify God in our lives by being satisfied in Him through these healthy habits that we are going to be looking at over the next few weeks. So that's it. That's plotted the journey. That's where we're going over the next four weeks. I want to as we embark on this journey together, I want to just mention four things that I really think would be helpful for us as we consider the weeks that lie ahead. Four things that I think we need to keep forefront of our minds as we enjoy this journey through these uh, disciplines and these healthy habits for healthy hearts. My first one, first big reminder is that we are training, not trying we are training, not trying. Let me explain to you. I'm busy reading a book by John Ortberg. It's called The Life You've Always Wanted. And he says this, trying hard can accomplish only so much. If you are serious about seizing this chance of a lifetime, you will have to enter a life of training. You must arrange your life around certain practices that will enable you to do what you cannot do by willpower alone. Many of us will, uh, or know, I mean, we, we live in KwaZulu-Natal, we, we probably, most of us in this room know what the Comrades Marathon is. Um, some of us may have even done it. But basically, you either run from Durban to Peter Maritzburg or Peter Maritzburg to Durban, around 88 kilometers of road running. Now, this concept of training versus trying pertains to that, but it also pertains to our spiritual journey, okay? If we want to run the comrades, we don't just line up in Durban at five o'clock in the morning and go, whoa, this is it. Today's going to be a long day. I'm hoping to get to Peter Maritzburg before 12 hours. Uh, done no, no, no training, but I'm going to try my hardest, man, you know? How far do you think you're going to get? <laughs> okay. Those of you who have done the comrades, those of you who know others who have done the comrades will know that it takes months and months of preparation in order to not only get the time that you want, but to even complete that race. You have to train hard. It's many months um, of getting up and doing the kilometers that you need in order to be able to line up on that line and know that you could potentially do the distance on the day. The same goes for Learning a musical instrument, our drummer's first time today. He's been practicing this week. I've been in the office, and I've seen numerous times over the last two weeks coming to practice, to train. He didn't just arrive, and we handed him sticks and said, good luck, buddy. I hope you're going to be okay. <laughs> Kill it. Um, same thing with learning a new language. 
It takes time. You go into training. And the same goes for this journey that we're on of learning these healthy habits in order to be replenished and to find our joy in God. And so we need to train. 1 Timothy 4, 7, Paul urges Timothy, he says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. 1 Corinthians 9, 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, like I've just said. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This is the best training you could give yourself to, training your spiritual life, training in godliness. It's a training uh, process, not something we just jump in at, into and are excellent at. So I don't think that we're going to go through these four weeks and then, wow, everybody's just amazing, having, you know, two, three hour long quiet times and prayer and we're just abiding. No, I think it's going to take, it's going to be a process of training. And the question is, where are you in that process? For some of us, this could be the start of that process. If you're reading your Bible for a minute every day, why not you know, say, okay, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to try five or ten minutes. If you're spending time in prayer, that's, or you're not spending time in prayer, hey, just give three to five minutes per day to start training, okay? Just do a little bit of distance. Others of us may be further along the training journey, and so maybe you want to extend that time or you want to, you know, uh, pray about something different that you don't necessarily pray about. Where are you in the training process? And remember, it's training, not trying. We're not just trying to jump into being excellent at these things. It's a lifelong journey. My second point, a good one for us to remember, is that we should see ourselves as sailboats, not speedboats. Sailboat, not speedboat. Now again, we, we live near the beach. We live near the coast. Many of us have seen speedboats going by. Some of us have seen sailboats going by. But over the next few weeks, as we speak of replenishing and spiritual growth um, as a product of training, it could be misunderstood that it is something we can engineer or bring about. Okay, let me explain. You've got a can of gas or, or, or petrol. You pour it into your speedboat. You turn the key, and you're moving forward, okay? We could say the same thing. Well, I pray, and I, I read my Bible, and so, man, I'm moving forward in God. I'm abiding. It's great. I can bring about this spiritual growth and this replenishment that we are talking about this morning. That's not the case. If that's, the, if that's the, the thought, then it's incorrect, okay? We can't manipulate God. We don't do things in order to get to a certain outcome. In fact, this replenishing that we're talking about, this spiritual growth is a sovereign work of God. It's more like a sailboat. In a sense, a sailor, or not in a sense, but the sailor, what does he do? He or he or she puts up the sails, okay, of the boat, but what actually drives the boat forward? The wind. The wind is what drives that boat uh, to the different places that the sailor wants it to go. 
the wind propels that boat forward. In the same way it is with the Spirit. John 3.18, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is the one doing the replenishing, doing the spiritual growth, bringing about the spiritual growth. And as we go through this series together, we need to remember and also respect the movement of the Spirit in our lives and be open to the Spirit moving in our lives. It's not something that we engineer or can bring about through our own doing. Rather, it's a sovereign work of God, and this process, that, this journey that we're on is a journey of raising our sails and, and saying, oh, Holy Spirit, come, bring the replenishing, bring the spiritual growth, but remembering that it's ultimately a sovereign work of God. Our task as believers is to do everything we can to catch the wind in a way that is what we are doing over the next few weeks, learning to raise our sails through these disciplines, but ultimately looking to God for the sovereign work of replenishing and spiritual growth. Just a side note here, especially for those of you who are looking into the Christian faith, you, you may be you know, wondering what it is that brings people to this place every Sunday morning. The same picture is, is an application or, or is relevant to those of us who are believers here. We call ourselves Christians, Christ followers. We're seeking to honor Christ through our lives. But that's not because we did anything good in and of ourselves. Don't sit there and think, oh, these people are, are really good people. These people uh, made a good decision. No, no. It was a sovereign work of God, a sovereign work of God breaking into our lives, giving us the faith to believe the gospel message that Jesus Christ was born as a baby, um, you know, lived a life, a sinless life that we couldn't live, and then went to the cross to pay for our sins in full. And not only taking the debt of our sins away, but imputing, giving us his righteousness in its place. It's a scandalous truth that is amazing, but the reality is that God gave us the faith to even believe that beautiful gospel truth. We did nothing. If you're sitting there thinking that we are any better than you, we are not. We are sinners saved by grace, the sovereign work of Jesus Christ in our lives. We heard some testimony of it this morning during worship most of us, many of us, all of us as, who are Christ followers, who are Christians this morning, have a story of how God called us. We did nothing. And so if you're sitting there looking into the faith, I want to say, hey, could God be calling you this morning? Could this be your day? Could this be the process that he's saying, hey, come in, do it. Do life with me. I'm inviting you into the same journey. This isn't only for my people. I want you in this too. And if that's you this morning, won't you come and find myself or, or one of the leaders of the church? We would love to pray for you as you accept that invitation this morning. Another point, empty to be 
filled, to, to be ready to be filled. Empty to be ready to be filled. What do I mean by that? We live in an age where we are more saturated, distracted, and exhausted than ever before. There is so much on the go. I'm sure we'll agree, many of us, not all of us, but there's functions to go to, there's sports games to get to, there's hobbies that we can get involved, there's studies to compete, there's family commitments to honor, there's shows we must watch on Netflix and the like, there's more friendships than we can maintain, more of this, more of that, more of everything. Technology is totally connected, you expect it to be super responsive, life is busy. Corey Tenboom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. So here's the question. Are you busy? Are you too busy? Am I too busy? I'm asking myself these questions too. I don't have this all together, just for those of you who think I may. The reality is, if you are too busy, then you're too full for what we're going to be speaking about. There's no space for this replenishing and this growth that we are hoping for. There's no room to respond to this invitation that we've read together in this text. And so, if you're too full, if you're too busy, the question is, what kind of emptying are you going to do? What things in your life need to change? That's a question you can ask yourself. What in my life at the moment would God want me to change in a sense of emptying, to lay down, to stop or to reduce in order to make space for God? That right there is, in a sense, the, the, the heart behind this replenish series that we, we are going through. As we together consider how to embrace these healthy habits in order to sustain life, in order to be satisfied in God, and in order to have healthy hearts towards Jesus. And my fourth and last reminder to us as we embark on this journey is one size does not fit all. <laughs> one size does not fit all. Seasons of life should not be a barrier to the spiritual growth and replenishing that I am talking about this morning. I think of my wife, Rachel, sitting up here this morning. I think of other moms in this room. Being a mom is hectic. <laughs> we as a family are in a season of change, as many of you know. Um, just a week ago, I walked into our house after finishing work, and for about 30 minutes, there was chaos homework, reports on what had happened on the sports field, and new friends that had been met, um, what team my, one of our kids was, was taken into, or you know when the matches were, where we had to be when, uh, what piece of paper we had to sign. Um, another one was saying, Mommy, I lost my bottle today. I don't know where my bottle is. Where's my badge? What badge? I mean, where's my, I can't find my badge. I'm going to get detention. Can we get these sponsors for the big swim, Mom? You know? I, I need this, I need a new, I need, it's just on and on. It was crazy. I ended up 
<laughs> going out and just having a moment. And Rachel was like, are you serious? <laughs> Do you know what we're dealing with here? <laughs> Moms, I'm using you as an example because it's easy to say, it was much easier for me to work on my spiritual life and to practice these healthy habits when I didn't have kids. It was much easier when I didn't have this, when I didn't have that. And I hear you. But the reality is that these disciplines that we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks are just three of many, many disciplines that you could use to to in a sense, raise your sails for the movement of the Spirit. The reality is that whatever situation you are in, you can ask God for fresh perspective on how you can use that season you are in or the work situation you are in for your own spiritual growth and replenishing. Let me continue on the example of being a mum. As John Ortberg in his book reminded me of this week, As moms, you could ask God to help you see your situation differently. To see that being a mom of small children that are still in your house is a wonderful, God-given privilege that doesn't last long. You can pray and ask God for patience and acceptance of the trials you face. You can ask God for a loving heart towards these these, these children that he has given you, for grace for you to be able to cope with this season of life. This crazy situation you find yourself in could be the perfect opportunity to be transformed into a servant-hearted person, to serve and to, to, to plow your, your, your life into loving those kids. Having a quiet time also is not more spiritual than caring for your children whilst being aware of what God may be teaching you or showing you, or saying to you through the process. God's in those situations with you. God is amongst the chaos. Take a moment and say, God, what is it that you are teaching me in this moment? God, give me grace. God, give me a servant's heart towards these children. Our season of life, whatever it is, is no barrier to having Christ formed in us. Whatever our season of life, it offers uh, its own opportunities and challenges for spiritual growth. But instead of wishing you were in another season or in a different situation, we ought to find out what this one means. What is it that God would want to teach you about the season that you're in? How can you grow? How can you be replenished where God has you? Every moment is potentially an opportunity to be guided by God into his way of living. Every moment is a chance to learn from Jesus how to live in the kingdom of God. Practical question for you to ask. How can I make the most of the season that you have placed me in, God? Spend time with God asking that question. God, help me to see what you would want me to see. Open my eyes. Give me fresh perspective to hear what you would want to say to me in this season. 
and to learn what you would want me to learn in this season. And so there you have it. We've embarked on this journey together of learning how to put up our sails over the next couple of weeks, to open ourselves up through practicing some spiritual disciplines that we read about in the scriptures in order to place ourselves in a position to be ready for the Spirit to move in our lives, to be ready to let God replenish us and to fill us with His Spirit, to empower us to live the lives that He has created us to live. Because the reality and truth is that the main aim of life is not what the world says it is. It's not to accomplish. It's not to achieve. It's not to perform and accumulate uh, possessions. That's what the world says. But in terms of our spiritual walk, in terms of what God would say to us this morning, it's to be saturated and satisfied in Jesus. To glorify Him by being satisfied in Him and enjoy Him forever. As we share communion as a church, what we're doing is we are doing this in remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We remember Jesus' body that was broken for us, Jesus' blood that was shed for us, and the, the reality of what that did for us, paying for our sins in full on the cross. And as we accept that message, we are washed clean. But there's also a beautiful invitation. This is a remembrance of the opportunity that we have to be in relationship with Jesus. He says, do this in remembrance of me. One day we will eat this meal again in eternity together. And so as we eat this bread and drink this cup, which represent Jesus' body and blood, I want you to Let's do it quietly on our own, but remember that we are doing this corporately. And in a sense, I would love you to just to do some, some business with God and accept this beautiful invitation once again to, to come in to fresh relationship with Him, relationship on a deeper level as we go through this replenishment, replenish series together. And I end off this, this morning with a scripture that we're looking at next, next week, and we'll pick up on it next week. John 15, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Father God, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. Lord, thank you for this beautiful invitation. First of all, to relationship for those of us who don't know you. And secondly, to deeper intimacy with you for those of us who do. And Lord, I pray that as we go embark on this journey together, that you would help us as a, as a church community, as individuals, but also as a, as a church community, that you would help us raise our sails 
that we would train ourselves in godliness by, by stepping out and practicing these spiritual disciplines by asking you, God, how you could use our current situation to grow us in godliness, to replenish us, to develop our, our relationship with you. Impart in us a thirst for you, Lord. Just as we've remembered you and what you've done on the cross this morning, won't you supernaturally impart a thirst for you, Lord, a thirst for time for you, a thirst of deeper intimacy and relationship with you. May we be those who abide and out of that place of abiding, out of the place of reading your scripture, out of the place of communing with you, that we would be satisfied in you, Lord, and you alone. And that out of that, you would be glorified in and through our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.